Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up, your company's accounting period is ending soon and the directors want to pay a bonus so the company can reduce its corporation tax bill. Trouble is, they don't want to pay tax on it until the following year. Keep listening to find out if this is possible. Plus, on 6th of April, a new digital version of the FitNote was introduced. It's been suggested by some commentators that these documents will be easier to forge. We explain what you can do to protect your business. And please don't forget to visit indicator-flm.co.uk to download our series of free mini guides to tax and HR matters. There's no obligation whatsoever. You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. So what are the do's and don'ts of tax efficient bonuses for directors? Well, it's true that directors still represent the most tax efficient method for taking income from a business but there are circumstances where they can't be paid or it's not desirable to do so. For example, if your company is loss-making or has external investors, that's shareholders, where the intention is to direct profits based on performance of the owner-managers rather than all shareholders. Now, if you intend to pay a bonus, you need to make sure that the admin is dealt with properly to ensure that your company obtains a corporation tax deduction for it at the earliest opportunity. When's this? Well, the best time is shortly before the end of your company's accounting year. This is because to obtain a tax deduction for the accounts to which the bonus relates, there must be an obligation to pay it. There's a tip here. An obligation to pay a bonus exists at the account's year end if you vote for it in principle before the accounting year end. The timing and method of payment can actually be sorted out later. Where there's a tip, there's often a trap. And in this case, it's that to qualify for a corporation tax deduction for the accounting period to which a bonus relates, the actual bonus payment, now that's the transfer of cash from the company to the director or a credit to their loan account, must be made within nine months of the end of the accounting period. If it isn't, the deduction is delayed and allowed for the accounting period in which the payment actually occurs. A bonus is treated as paid for income tax purposes on the date the director has an enforceable right to it, even if the actual payment date is later. This is important. It's the date that the right accrues to the dividend that triggers the PAYE and NI liability. Another trap. Director's bonuses cannot be deferred simply by adding restrictions on the right to draw the sums. As we said earlier... A bonus is treated as paid when it's credited in the company's accounts and records, for example, to the director's loan account, and not when physically paid out of the company's bank account. And because a bonus doesn't have to be paid until nine months after the year end, wait until after the company's draft accounts are drawn up and the pre-bonus 
profit figure is known to decide on the final level of bonuses. And this is all quite theoretical, but let's look at an example to bring it to life. A company is called Acom, and its current financial year ends on ended on 31st of March 2022. Its directors held a board meeting on 30th March, at which they approved a bonus for themselves equal to 20% of the company's profits, as shown when the accounts are finalised. Acom's accounts should include a provisional expense to reflect the expected bonus. Corporation tax relief is permitted for this as long as the bonus is paid on or before 30th, 31st of December 2022. The trigger date for PAYE purposes in this case is the date the amount of the bonus is determined. ACOM's 2022 accounts are finalised in July of this year. So the directors are liable to tax on the bonus in 2022 stroke 2023 and not 21-22 when the bonus was approved in principle. Now, if you're including a bonus in your company's accounts, which won't be paid until on or after 6th of April this year, don't forget to reflect the employer's NI at the higher rate, which is now 15.05%, which applies from that date. So in summary, it's possible to vote a corporation tax deductible bonus, but not trigger the PAYE until later. A decision by your company to pay a bonus doesn't count as payment for PAYE purposes. The trigger date is when the amount of the bonus is determined, or if earlier, when the bonus is actually available for the directors to draw. So what is the latest on FitNotes? or sick notes, as they used to be called. Well, on 6th of April this year, a new digital version of the FitNote was introduced. It's been suggested by some commentators that these documents will be easier to forge. If that's the case, doesn't that give some of your employees license to take time off fraudulently? After all, if they can forge a sick note signature, they can take as much time off as they like, surely. So, to combat this risk, can you ask a GP whether a fit note they've purportedly issued is genuine? Well, let's look at the legislation which was introduced uh, in April of this year and the effect that they have. Firstly, they prescribe a new digital form of fit note. They also remove the previous requirement that the fit note had to be physically signed in ink by the medical practitioner, which is generally a GP. As such, the new form of FitNote doesn't even have a box for a physical signature. Instead, the medical practitioner who's issued the FitNote simply has to provide their full name. This means it's easier to see who's authorised it. We all know that some doctor's handwriting isn't the most legible. However, by removing the requirement for a physical signature, it has raised these concerns that it will be easier to forge digital FitNotes. What can you do? Can you contact the GP? Well, the good news is, yes, you can. The FitNote guidance for GPs confirms that an employer may contact a GP asking if a FitNote is genuine. What happens then is that the GP may choose to check the FitNote's serial number and confirm to the employer that they've issued it, although they're not actually obliged to do so. As the request doesn't reveal any of the employee's medical information, you don't need to cons- you don't need their consent to approach their GP, so you don't have to worry about all the constraints of GDPR. If you receive an old version of the fit note, which has been physically signed by the employee's GP, you can still accept it as these documents remain valid, and it's likely that for some period of time, uh, GPs will continue to to use the old uh, physical 
form. Remember that a fit note will only be issued after seven days continuous absence. An employee can't obtain a fit note from their GP prior to then. Instead, they can self-certify their sickness absence for the first seven days. So in summary, these new digital fit notes took effect in April of this year. If you're concerned that the signature or the person signing it uh, wasn't actually authorised to do so, you can ask a GP if they've issued the fit note. They can confirm if it's genuine by checking the serial number. And because this process won't reveal any medical information, you don't need to obtain the employee's consent first. So that's good news. Bad news is that that means we've reached the end of another episode of the Tips and Advice to Business podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back again soon. And next time, we will be looking at an interesting case of where failing to flush the toilet in a workplace amounted to an act of harassment. Why were there solid grounds for dismissal in this case? And also, we'll be looking at the health and safety executive and what its key target areas are for businesses moving forward. But until then, thank you for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week, we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. 